Hello, and welcome to this School of Surgery podcast. My name is Lee Creedon, and I'm a Clinical Research Fellow in General Surgery. This podcast is the second part of a series of podcasts that looks at the acute imaging in surgical patients. Part two will look at ultrasound. Before we get started, we'll just recap on the objectives that this series of podcasts aims to cover. Firstly, you need to be able to appreciate the different imaging modalities that are available for acute surgical admissions. You also need to be able to identify the strengths and weaknesses of each imaging technique and understand when each type of imaging is most appropriate. We will also include some unusual scenarios that you should watch out for. These objectives are mapped to the ISCP curriculum and include module one, which is basic, basic science knowledge relevant to surgical practice, and Module 2, Common Surgical Conditions. Ultrasound is a very useful imaging technique for a number of reasons. Firstly, it is quick and easy to perform, and it has the benefit of not exposing the patient to any radiation. It can also be portable and performed on the ward, and is useful for assessing solid organs such as the liver, the kidneys, the pancreas, the ovaries, and the testes. It is also useful in the assessment of hollow organs such as the gallbladder, the urinary bladder and the uterus, and also tubular structures such as the biliary ducts and the aorta. It can be used to identify free fluid in the pelvis or intra-abdominally, and increasingly fast scanning or focused assessment with sonography for trauma is being used in the emergency department for patients with suspected splenic injuries or ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysms. Ultrasound scanning can be performed either transabdominally, where the ultrasound probe is placed upon the abdomen, or transvaginally, where the probe is placed within the vagina. The transabdominal approach is most useful for the assessment of the solid abdominal viscera, the biliary tract, the renal tract, the aorta, and can also be used to assess the pelvic organs. If, however, you require a more detailed assessment of the pelvic organs, then it is recommended that the transvaginal approach is used. We will now go through some clinical cases in order to consolidate which scan should be requested depending on the presenting symptoms. And we'll also look at what information should be extracted from the results. Our first case is that of a 43-year-old female that has presented with intermittent colicky right upper quadrant pain after eating a Chinese meal. She has some associated nausea and states that this pain has occurred on three previous episodes within the last six months. Her past medical history is positive for irritable bowel syndrome and she is currently on Fuscapan as required. On examination, you note a yellow tinge to her skin and sclera and she is tender within the right upper quadrant. For this admission, what radiological investigation would you request first and what part of the results would you be particularly interested in? The most appropriate first-line radiological investigation would be an ultrasound scan of the abdomen and you should be most interested in the results regarding the biliary system. Any ultrasound scan of the abdomen that is looking at the biliary system should include whether or not gallstones are present. It should also include a measurement of the gallbladder wall thickness, a measurement of the diameter of the common bile duct, and assess whether or not there's any dilatation of the intra or extra hepatic ducts, and if so, if there's any obvious cause for this dilatation. In our case, 
the first question to ask would be whether or not there's any gallstones, either within the gallbladder or within the CBD, whether or not the diameter of the common bile duct is increased above eight millimeters, and whether or not there's an obvious stone sitting at the distal CBD. Our second case is that of a 26-year-old female that is presented with acute onset right iliac fossa pain that has been present for the last two hours. Her past medical history is insignificant and she is currently on no medication. On examination, she is tender in the right iliac fossa, but her observations are all normal and her baseline bloods have all returned normal. For this case, just take a second to think about what investigations you would request first and what from these investigations would you be hoping to identify? In this instance, it may be entirely appropriate to request both a transabdominal ultrasound scan of the abdomen and a transvaginal ultrasound scan of the pelvis. Within the abdomen, it may be possible to identify some soft signs of appendicitis, such as free fluid in the pelvis and occasionally visualization of a thickened appendix as possible. Within the pelvis, you are more concerned of a gynecological pathology as the cause of the pain, such as an ovarian cyst or a tube ovarian abscess. Our patient is not presenting with classical symptoms of acute appendicitis, and you'd therefore be keen to rule out a gynecological cause of the symptoms before considering laparoscopy. It is important to remember that in no instance is ultrasound scan alone able to diagnose appendicitis and is never able to rule it out. Our next case is that of a 55-year-old man that has presented with acute onset pain over an upper midline laparotomy scar after heavy lifting. He doesn't report any bowel symptoms and has not been vomiting since the onset of pain. Prior to this, he has had no similar symptoms. His past medical history includes osteoarthritis, diabetes, and a previous laparotomy for a perforated peptic ulcer. His drug history includes omeprazole, metformin, and glycoside. On examination, his abdomen is soft and there's some epigastric tenderness with a firm lump just deep to the scar. Briefly consider the differential diagnoses, the radiological investigation that you would request first, and what on this investigation would you be looking for? The most obvious differential from this presentation is that of an incisional hernia through the laparotomy scar which you would want to confirm using ultrasound. It may also be possible to tell whether or not the hernia is reducible and whether or not it contains just preperitoneal fat or bowel, which may influence your timing of surgical repair. Our final case is an 84-year-old male that is presented to the emergency department and is being assessed in recess. He's presented with a two-hour history of acute central abdominal pain radiating into his back that is associated with collapse. His past medical history includes hypertension, diabetes, and hyperlipidemia, and he is currently taking aspirin, metformin, glycoside, ramipril, bisoprolol, and atorvastatin. On examination, the patient looks pale and sweaty, and he has generalized peritonitis. He is currently hypotensive and tachycardic. Briefly consider the differential diagnoses, the initial radiological investigation, and what on this investigation is it that you would be looking for? This patient has presented with history and examination findings that may suggest a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm. He is currently hemodynamically unstable 
and therefore not suitable to be transferred to the CT department to undergo CT scan of his abdomen. In this instance, it's most appropriate to perform a fast scan within recess, as this can provide rapid information that may influence patient management. The things that you're most likely to be interested in are whether or not there's evidence of free intraperitoneal fluid and also whether or not there is indeed evidence of an abdominal aortic aneurysm. FASTSCAN can also be used in trauma patients such as those that have symptoms suggestive of a ruptured spleen. And again, the important findings are that of free intraperitoneal fluid that is likely to be blood. Although a useful imaging modality that does not employ the use of radiation, ultrasound scanning has a number of limitations. Firstly, ultrasounds are generally not very useful for the assessment of bowel-related pathology, such as bowel obstruction or bowel tumors. They're also not very useful in the assessment of non-specific abdominal pain, although often will be the first test that is requested in this type of presentation. It's important to remember that ultrasound waves travel poorly through air and as such can affect the visualization of retroperitoneal structures such as the pancreas. It's also important to remember that ultrasound cannot rule out common bile duct stones and this is because the common bile duct enters the duodenum posteriorly and air within the duodenum can affect the visualization of the distal duct. Finally, Ultrasound is an imaging modality that is user-dependent and is often difficult to assess the images that are produced retrospectively like that of CT and X-ray. Before we finish, I'll briefly summarize the instances in which ultrasound is both useful and not so useful. Ultrasound is extremely useful in the assessment of both gynae and biliary related conditions. It is also useful in the assessment of soft tissue abnormalities such as hernias and is increasingly being used in the form of FASCAN within the resource department to direct the management of acutely unwell patients. Ultrasound scanning is not so useful for patients presenting with bowel-related pathology such as bowel obstruction or tumours and is not useful in the assessment of non-specific abdominal pain. It's important to remember that ultrasound scanning cannot rule out a distal CBD stone in the presence of CBD dilatation and is not able to rule out appendicitis. Ultrasound scanning should never be used as a diagnostic test for patients presenting with suspected appendicitis.